from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. The topic today is going to be all about cybersecurity in cars. How do you keep those hackers out? Well, we've got three experts that are going to fill in all the details, including Erica Anden with a company called Silent Cyber, Jeff Massimilla, who's the Chief Product Cybersecurity Officer at General Motors, and Egil Juliusen with the consultancy IHS Automotive. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, let me start with you. Uh, recently, we saw this hack that got headlines all over the world. There was a, a reporter from Wired Magazine and a Jeep Cherokee, and a couple of hackers were able to get into this thing remotely. And uh, boy, that set off all kinds of talk. How serious is this, though, really? I mean, how much do we have to worry about it? And I know I'm asking the chief cybersecurity officer at General Motors this yeah. question, but put it in perspective. Yeah, no, I think it's a very serious topic. Uh, John, you know, there's been a lot of research here recently on, on um, you know, white hat re researchers kind of performing hacking events in vehicles um, with vehicle connected systems. Um, you know, this is something that isn't going to go away. This is something that, you know, the auto industry, and I'd say it's, you know, not just the auto industry, but the broader, you know, world is fighting this challenge of cybersecurity and, and different hacking techniques and ways to mitigate those risks. And, um, you know, it's something that each, uh, each of the companies need to take on and take it on head on. Agil, how do you see it? Yeah, no, it, it, the good news is that it, in terms of somebody really hacking car, it's very unlikely. And the reason is it takes so much knowledge and there's really not a business model for hackers to earn money because that's really what they want to do. You know, the only one is really stealing the car and they can do that with the key fobs better than they can in the telematic yeah. system. Anyway. Uh, but the bad news uh, long term is that the knowledge is going to increase fairly rapidly and the systems in the car are becoming more similar using hardware and software platforms. So it will be easier in the future. And hope. But the good news again is that auto industry is now taking this serious. And what we want to happen is that they invest enough that it's not going to be a serious problem anytime soon or ever. And Erica, how do you see it? I also see it as a serious problem. And I think that we should look at what, has, what happened with the Chrysler hack with responsible disclosure. We should look at how we do that in the future. Because I think we're headed down kind of into a game of whack-a-mole with hackers. And we don't want to play that. We, we want to dictate how this goes down. Well, do you think the, the guys who hacked into the Jeep were being responsible? I see them as glory hounds. I, I think it maybe wasn't the most responsible form of disclosure, put it that way. I, I think that when you are responsible, you probably don't want to give out as much information as they did. But at the same time, they were looking to get, um, they were looking to get the reaction that they got, which yeah. was they wanted, to get, they wanted to get the attention of the auto industry. They got the attention of the auto industry. Yeah. Was it the right way to do it? That kind of remains to be seen in the long run. Are they going to motivate other people to do it the same way? Potentially. And that's really the risk. And Jeff, you're, think, you're at a car company. Yeah. Did they get yeah. the attention? I mean, General Motors yeah. had the foresight to you know, appoint you as the chief cybersecurity officer for product. I yeah. mean, and clearly, the, even at a board level, GM was thinking about this some time ago. Absolutely. And obviously, before the Chrysler research and you know, responsible mm -hmm. disclosure is a big part of this. But you know, how, how, uh, how they get the attention is what's, um, what's challenging here. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of companies um, in every industry are not necessarily set up to interact with researchers in the right way and, and you got to have that method of interacting with them so that they can you know responsibly disclose and you can work with them um, 
but I think you know oftentimes they'll turn to media if they don't have a way to get that information to you. Um, at the same time, though, as you said, you know, from a from a board perspective at General Motors, I mean, this is a this is an important priority, a high priority in our company. You know, the safety and security of our customers is our highest priority. So, you know, from that perspective, appointing my my role and and creating my organization to to perform the end end security for our customers is is paramount. But, you know, on the other hand, if you look at what uh, was done in 2009 and 2010 by University of California, mm -hmm. San Diego, mm -hmm. and the University of Washington, they did similar things, maybe not as, as, as dramatic. And, yeah, they got a lot of attention and information spread around, but it didn't create this kind of a, of a, of a press coverage and which hit the, the auto industry and so on. So they got the right attention, and, and I think looking back, we're going to be happy that they got it. Why do you say that? Because you're right. Because the industry is now really taking it seriously, investing even more, and they were starting to invest in R&D, and there's going to be companies that are bringing out products. So it, it, the, the, the snowball is rolling, and it's getting much bigger. So the momentum for getting cybersecurity is much stronger now than it was three months ago. Erica, you see that, that the industry is now more serious after yeah, this very... It seems like the response has changed since mm -hmm. the hack. But I feel like the industry was getting very serious about it even before the hack. There was definitely already a response in the industry to companies like mine um, in terms of kind of getting on board that train, dealing with cybersecurity issues, mitigating vulnerabilities, you know, and, and kind of trying to deal with the problem in a responsible way. I think this brought it out in a different way. I think it, obviously there's going to be more action taken, it's, but it's creating another type of problem where there's going to be an expectation that companies can deal with these problems immediately. And that's not possible. And it takes time to fix these problems. And when you have a group of people who find bugs and go out to the media with them rather than going to the company, the expectation on the company is that they can turn around in a dime and fix that right away. And they can't. I mean, it can, in some cases it can take years. Eggle, though, we, we saw in the case of the Chrysler hack that the company was aware of this, this vulnerability yeah. 18 months before the hack. Yeah. And, and over in Europe, Volkswagen, the Volkswagen group, including yeah. Bentley and yeah. Porsche, had a real problem, have a real problem with theft. They sat on it for 18 months. Yeah. So yeah. maybe we do need somebody to light a fire <laughs> under these companies. There's a complacency out there saying, and, and, and it's true for all the industry, it's not going to happen to me. But yeah. it does. And... But, but the other thing with the high Chrysler, if you, if you look at it, you do do a simple back of the envelope calculation, 1.4 million cars. Hmm. Let's just assume $100 per car. You know, that's $140 million. That's real money, even for the auto industry. Hmm. So they could have spent a million dollar early on and, you know, put into cybersecurity and, and it would have been a better solution. So, uh, so it shows the, even the, the, you know, the return on investment of doing it, which we didn't have before. So for that reason, there, there, are, there are many companies then that are going to take it more serious. That was actually the huge positive, I would say, with the Chrysler hack, is that we got a sense of how much it costs right. to have a recall To ignore like it. <laughs> yeah, because we yeah. never we never really had a cyber recall before. This was the first right. major cyber recall, and now we know how much it costs. Yeah. So that kind of changes the game a bit. Yeah. Jeff, I'm wondering what you're doing to protect GM cars from this standpoint. And you know this better than I do. You can't stop these hackers. The Pentagon's been hacked. Mm -hmm. President Obama's personal email account has been hacked. Mm -hmm. You know, and I got to believe some of the best anti-hacker security was on those systems. What do you do when it comes to cars? 
Yeah, I think it was pointed out, you know, how difficult it was. And we talked, I mean, they, 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 I think the researchers, you, you referenced the um, University of California and Washington papers and the length of time that research took place, the length of time the Chrysler yeah. research took place. Um, this is complicated. This is very complicated research to actually get this stuff done. Um, that being said, and we referenced it already, it's also then complicated to address it. Um, but there's a lot of things that you can do to address this type of um, you know, activity and to protect yourself. Um, it's very similar. I, I can almost draw a lot of parallels to IT security. I mean, you can't, you can't take IC, IT security and put it on a car necessarily, but there's a lot of the same principles that apply. Um, and, and then just knowing if someone's in your system, you know, being able to detect and monitor your own system, and then really it's your response capability. I mean, it, you know, like you said, if there's if there's unlimited resources, money, and talent, someone's going to find a way in. We got to be right 100% of the time. They got to be right one time. Um, at the same time, we just have to be able to respond when that one time occurs. Mm -hmm. But but the, you know it's actually relatively from a from a concept system level. It's it's relatively simple. You got to have you got to do two things. You got to have perimeter security, which checks everything going in and out of the car, and then but then you say okay. I cannot protect all of those, so somebody will break through. So then I got to have what I call operational security, which means you got to have some system in the car that that literally watches all the information flowing between the control units, and it's got to need a database of what's legal and what's not, and and that's what's coming to the, to the auto industry over time. And and the the whole idea is to make it expensive so the business model doesn't work, and then you got to improve it all the time, and it's never done. And it's really, really, I'm sorry, that's really complicated. Um, you know, you, what you just said is, yeah, I mean, protecting, you know, the, the entry points into a vehicle is, is one task that um, is very straightforward, I would say, in, in principles of how to do it. You know, that, that whole ability to um, control everything that's going on, and once you're in the perimeter of the vehicle, I would actually argue that defensive measures in all the aspects of the vehicle um, with some ability to detect and monitor if someone is, um, you know, getting through your defensive measures, um, would be the appropriate way to, to yeah. approach it as well. So what you're saying is just having a firewall isn't uh, enough. I, I, not at all. Yeah, it's point security, right? I mean, defense in depth, you know, defensive measures in layers is, uh, is the, you know, I think the, the um, primary approach to cybersecurity. But that kind of hardware security. Yeah. yeah. I think that kind of gets us to the root of the problem, which is that security needs to start in the design phase. Absolutely. Because it's right now the reason we're playing whack-a-mole and the reason we've ended up in this position is that you know now we have all of these vulnerabilities and since it, the cars weren't designed necessarily always to be secure because this hasn't really been a problem till recently you know we need to go back to the drawing board now and and design these kinds of systems from the very but beginning. But Erica, as you know, it takes this industry a minimum oh, of yeah. three years to exactly. design a car so you're talking about a solution. I'm talking about a solution that's three years out yeah but, but, it but is, you're saying that's but what it, it's going to take. But we should, we should start that now. And then we might have to go back to those cars that are already on the road. I mean, we, we know that it's going to be a long-term liability, that those cars on the road right now, we're going to have to keep protecting them and ensuring that they are secure for years to come, as long as the lifetime of the vehicle. So it is good. It, I mean, this now is the time to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, every car from this moment forward needs to be as secure as it can be. But it's interesting, it's coming at the same time that they're putting software over the air updates, and it needs very similar changes to the system architecture. So yeah. they're probably going to put in both at the same time. Yeah. Is that how you see it, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, that is your response capability, right? You need, you need to be able to protect the, the systems in defensive measures or layers and then be able to respond through OTA um, over the air software update capability. I think it's, both those are critical. Um, I also would say, though, you know, too, 
you know, if you start with the drawing board, you can absolutely design it right in. But I think that yeah. there's very, um, very tangible, you know, actions that you can take oh, even, yeah. you know, in existing. And, and I think, you know, the, the research here recently showed that where, um, you know, maybe uh, a firewall is left open with some ports left exposed and, and you want to close down those ports. You don't mm -hmm. want those things open sitting out there because those are the places that when they get a hand, their hands on those modules and they reverse engineer, that is the first thing they see and then they know their way into the, the vehicle. Is. So. So how do you handle uh, what Erica just brought up, uh, the legacy systems that are already out there? Well, you, Please, you, yeah. you, you basically got, you got to do a, a check of existing telematic systems and connect the car system. And the thing is that the, the average software guys in the auto industry, they don't have that skill. So you got to get somebody that is in, worked with cybersecurity and they need to check it. And then when they find it, then, then you go fix it. And, Literally, I, I think they're going to all do that. They're probably all doing it now, and they won't tell us what they're fixing, but they will. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a you know there's a common set of tools out there that can help you when you're developing the software. Obviously, I mean, in General Motors, we we leverage you know external expertise. We have a team of internal experts. We leverage external expertise. We team up with third parties for testing um, capabilities and scanning capabilities. Um, you know, we collaborate with industry partners in defense and aerospace. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of help and a lot of knowledge and know-how out there. And, yeah. But I, I agree with you. You know, it's a matter of um, understanding where you may have vulnerabilities today and then remediating the vulnerabilities. And um, uh, that's a pretty straightforward action. Yeah. And they learn from that for future systems as sure. well. Yeah. Sure. Erica, what Jeff is saying has got to be critically important. This is a an industry problem, not just yeah. a General Motors or a whomever oh, yeah. kind of a problem. Do you really see the industry getting together, collaborating, rather than just say an individual company collaborating with some other companies? I'm not entirely sure that that's how the auto industry is set up on a whole to collaborate in that way. So I, I see companies collaborating, they're collaborating with their suppliers, um, but collaborating between the various companies, I'm, I'm not seeing that, but that might actually be going on well, the, behind. The, the, there is, there's some level, there's an ISEC that's being built right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, that, that's, that the is, first, that's the first and that step. And that is the first step. And, and, I, and explain, for those who do, have yeah. not heard of what an ISEC is. Oh goodness! It's information <laughs> sharing. Yeah, information sharing. Something or other. No. Yeah. Yep. yeah, It's the idea of having one central it's, place where you send all the yeah, information and you learn, and they alert you to when something happened with one OEM. They tell what they did uh, in concept, at least, and then you you look for that yourself. Or so the it's suppliers a, as well. Early warning yeah. system, yeah. essentially. But I, I guess I would say that I think there is some more collaboration going yeah. on. I mean, you know, the SAE has had a work group out there for yeah. a long period of time developing standards in this space. Um, you know, Autosar is another consortium out there developing how to secure communications within a car. You know, there is a lot of collaboration. I think the ISAC is an important... They need to um, have their things. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. And the collaboration that, um, you know, their engagement allows in, in this space as well. So all, yeah. all key collaborations that, um, you know, help each, in, each individual automaker not have to maybe reinvent everything. So, Southwest, yeah. Southwest Research Institute, Sweary, yeah. they have. So, they're, they're, so it's starting to happen. It's starting sure. to and of course, happen. this is in its infancy. I mean, sure. you know, five years ago, who would have thought that we'd be talking about this? Certainly I didn't. Maybe you guys all did, but... I did, I did a presentation on this five years ago and said, oh, this is very nice, but we don't have to worry about this. <laughs> Ego, what you said earlier was so interesting that... Uh, there really has not been a malicious attack. Yeah. There's been these white hatters, right. some of which I will call glory hounds, out to make a name <laughs> for themselves at DEF CON or whatever. Yeah. Mm. But you're saying that the bad guys really haven't attacked uh, yet. I mean, how are you going to earn money 
you know, that, that's, you know, because there's no credit cards or very few stored in there. Mm -hmm. So th there's no financial reward. You, know, you think about these people want to earn money one way or another, and there's no business model. No, there are some coming, and actually the, the, the scary one is what's called ransomware that's being used in the PC industry where they... Explain that. They, 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 they you know, they encrypt the data on your hard disk drive, and, they, and then if you have valuable data, you can't get to it. So for three, $400, you know, they'll, they'll let you have it back. And so the equivalent of that is to disable a control system in the car. So it Turn it drive. into a brick, as exactly. they say. Exactly. And then, you know, same thing. And that's the one model that worries me the most. And uh, hopefully that doesn't happen, and, or the companies will, will get enough so it can't happen. Mm -hmm. And see, if you think, if, if somebody, you know, a, a, a malicious nation would do that to thousands of cars, now, now you're talking about cyber warfare. Yeah. And, and that, that would be the most serious. And there, then you really don't need a business model. You're doing it to, you know, to, to mess with a country. And so then, then that, that becomes very scary. Jeff, is this one of the things that you guys do worry about? This, this bricking the cars for ransom? Yeah, so there's a, you know, there's a list that every, I think, company looks at that transcends the different types of attackers, we'll say, that are out there that you need to be worried about. And you know, right now we're sitting up at the White Hat and the researchers, and um, you know, the next one down is really it's the business model for creating solutions. So that's kind of where we're at in this now is you know, testing companies and solutions companies coming out and creating um, um, opportunities to put things into the vehicles to solve the problem. But then the next is the, you know, the criminalists who um, want to profit or benefit from it. And then obviously it transcends even further. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the goal of the goal of General Motors, I can say, and I, I, I think I can speak for the automakers as a whole, um, is that, you know, we get out in front of this. Now is the time to get out in front of this. You know, White Hat and research, that's a controlled environment. And, you know, we, we work well with the researchers and we got to continue to work well with the researchers. But you don't want to transcend that list any further before you have a, a, a nice uh, a comprehensive solution in place. They doing enough in that regard, Erica, you know, of... Uh I think they're definitely moving in those directions. Mm -hmm. They're they're doing quite a bit, and it, I mean, it, obviously, there's a lot of outside help available as well. Um, that is helping to push in that direction. People so. and, and needed. And, and needed. Yeah, outside is, help is needed. Absolutely. I, I, I talk to people who follow this, not mm -hmm. like you guys, working in the field, and they go, "Why why can't you just not have all these things connected together inside a car? Why why don't you have some sort of air gap?" Well, I, I think you, actually you, you can do, speak uh, better yeah, to that. You can that do a whole other show yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think the consumer, you know, the yeah. consumer wants to bring. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah. Basically, what you want to do, that what we call the infotainment, all the mm -hmm. that the the driver, exactly. you need to totally isolate that from the rest of the car, and, so and then it wouldn't provide any service that no. the customer wanted while they were yeah. driving the so, car. So. Or you can make yeah. it read-only data in yeah. some way. Yeah. And uh, you know, at some point that can happen. Certainly, when you come to self driving and driverless cars you know then then of course that's going to happen well and that's the security solution right yeah, so i yeah. mean not you know not disconnecting these systems from each other is not reasonable and would not make the customer um you know happy because you actually yeah. take capabilities away uh, from the car absolute capability away from the car and um you know autonomous driving and things where you're getting data from outside and semi-autonomous controls re rely on that data so um you know that being said you know air gapping it wouldn't work but putting the right controls in place read only permissions things like that um, um, that, those are the types of controls and solutions that need to be in place um, mm -hmm. as that content comes into the car. Erica, is it going to be software that provides this protection, hardware that does it, or, or what? 
I wouldn't necessarily say software or hardware. I think it's going to be corrections within the existing firmware and the existing software in the vehicles that are going to provide the protections. We're probably not going to come in from the outside with a software solution that can protect a vehicle. Although there are there are solutions like that that are currently being built and may work actually quite well. These kind of these sort of anonymous anomalous, sorry, <laughs> signal detection systems do exist. And that could actually end up being a solution. But that's very difficult yeah. to, to perform it, that sort of protection. It's really a layer of, of security. And it really starts with the microprocessor that has to have some built-in hardware that makes mm -hmm. it easier to implement security, uh, the crypt cryptography type uh, hardware that makes it much quicker to do. Mm -hmm. And then the operating system has to have security. And then everything builds on that layer. And, and uh, there's something um, called a, a hypervisor that's a very small operating system at the bottom. Of course, during when you start the car and the software boot up, that's the time they can slip in in, in a way that it's hard to detect. So you need something at that lower level. And, 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 and like he mentioned, autos are there. They're putting that in and the auto industry will be doing that. So, yeah, they, they're working on the layers of security that's needed. I think it's throughout. Yeah, I think it's throughout the vehicle. Yeah. It starts at the system design. You got to design it to be secure. You got to have security in mind when you design the system, a subsystem, a component, right. software, hardware, all the way down to the micro. Right. I mean, it, it is. Uh, it is fundamental throughout. Approach. It's fundamental throughout. And Jeff, what you said earlier is really one of the the main ways to protect is to detect that someone has gotten into the car, and then yeah. what kind of shove them in a corner and hold them there that's right yeah and, and you know that's uh that's one of the i think the largest challenges that um in a in a real-time environment like driving a vehicle you know how to uh, mitigate the risk or how to mitigate the you found somebody in there what do i do now it's a challenge the industry will face and they'll be have to you know have to an answer some questions on that but you, know, you take um you know even other um uh, events that have gone on um, in maybe Sony or Target or others, right? If they would have had the ability to understand that someone is in the system and stop it faster than they did, yeah. um, they would have minimized the loss associated with it, um, and then could have, you know, cut the connection, remediated the problem, and then you know, open things back up. So, yeah, that's a key part of it. Because again, you'll never keep everybody out. You want to keep the majority out, and you want to give them layers to have to get through. And as they start to transcend those layers, and I know they're transcending those layers, then I can stop them. But I gotta believe some of the real smart black hatters are gonna cover their tracks, so to speak, right? Or that would, yeah. I mean, that is the sort of thing they would do. So, <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you even try to sniff out that somebody's in there? Uh, well, what we do is actually try to find the vulnerabilities that exist today. That is what my company does, and they approach it from a hacker perspective. Um, so they actually try to find out what what are the open doors in this vehicle, so to speak. How can we get into the system? And then once we're in, what can we do? How can we play around in here? What can happen? And it's, it's a way of discovering, you know, how far in can someone get in this vehicle? But detecting whether someone's been in the vehicle, that is not where we are just now, okay. but we're, we're working on that solution as well. Uh, so. the, what, what I call the operation security, that, that's basically is that there are products out today that can do that. And it's to look at the messages flowing back. And if there's a signal going to the brake coming from the infotainment unit, you know, that's, that's wrong. And so the, if you have a database of what's legal like that, then you can comprehend what's, well, like he's saying, that that's what they want to do. You want to literally have a database of the legal stuff that can flow between there. And then and anything is, that yeah. looks different, you're going to check it and send it back for inspection and, and find out if, if, if that's something illegal.
you know, cars are so hard to do in the first place, mm -hmm. just to meet all the regulations. And, and like, Jeff, is, is all this cybersecurity work going to slow down product development? No, I don't think so. I, you know, I think, um, you know, the way, the way we're approaching it in General Motors is we're looking at, you know, vehicle, the vehicle development process and cybersecurity is being injected in every stage of vehicle development process. So what that says is instead of at the end now, I mean, what you're talking about, you know, red teaming and vulnerability yeah. testing, it's extremely important. Um, we do those activities obviously as well, but if, if you don't start up front and you get yourself engaged yeah. in the entire vehicle development process, um, you would slow it down at the end because at the end you would say I have 10 things I have to fix and we aren't ready to go. Um, if you get yourself you know, left in the process and you get yourself engaged in every step, then you design security in from the start. Mm -hmm. And then the, te the testing at the end should be a confirmation that you did it right. It's gotta be hard to track though through the whole supply chain. You know, there's thousands of parts in cars. Many come from suppliers all over the world. Even in the electronics alone, there's so many discrete components how do you know that somebody isn't slipping something bad in somewhere in the supply chain? So even though your system looks brilliant and robust, mm -hmm. somebody still could get in the other way. Yeah. Actually, IHS has a service that are in the semiconductor component that are looking for that. It just become a big deal because some parts in the uh, in the uh, aerospace industry uh, th that happened to, and so they 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 are now looking for that. And uh, but. I'm sure the auto industry has started yet, but it, it, yeah. probably not yet, but somewhere, yeah. I think there's a worldwide problem for yeah. every company. Yeah. You know, wow. Supply chain security is a challenge that I think everybody is facing and just understanding, I think you have to assess risk, right? You know, do good risk assessment to say what is, what are the, the, the pain points in my design and then have good security controls around those points from a supply chain perspective as well as every other perspective. But I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that the, the military has solved that problem no, completely no. yet, so um, let alone the auto industry and, and no. consumer electronics industries. But, but th this, this still, the software and hardware and cybersecurity is going to be harder anyway, so they, yeah. they, they got enough for that. Look, we're, we're down to the end here. This has been a fascinating discussion. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do part two at some point <laughs> in the future because clearly this is a field that's evolving. And mm -hmm. I know I've picked up a little bit of the jargon myself of, you know, you got to sniff out the JTAGs and run some crypto through it. So there, <laughs> see, I'm up You're to speed with it. you guys. Anyway, I want to uh, thank you all. Erica Anden from Silent Cyber, Jeff Massimilla from General Motors, Egil Juliusen from IHS Automotive. Great having uh, three of you on here. Very important topic, and I'm so glad you shared your knowledge with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. <laughs>